You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. But it is cool to be out here today at uh, Cork and Carry at the Park. We're at 33rd and Princeton. We're going to be here for the next couple of hours live on the Podbean app. And people should be able to listen if they can hear us on the speakers here in the bar. There's all kinds of things set up where people are going to be able to, you know, hit buttons. And you do the QR code thing. I don't know how any of this stuff works. But you, you do it. It takes you to it on your phone. They can put it in their headphones while they're sitting here. Uh, good crowd starting to come in here for a White Sox game. And it's going to be a beautiful day today. It's gorgeous outside. Absolutely gorgeous day today. What were your impressions on opening day? I know it's been two days, but I'm curious what your impressions were because I was actually there, and I have the good, the bad, and the ugly of opening day. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of good. There were a few there things were. I didn't like, and it had nothing to do with the product on the field. It had to do with what was going on in and around the ballpark. So we're going to get into that because the Sox have some adjustments to make. Well, okay, so from from the pure standpoint of what was on the field, because that's that's where I can come in. I wasn't at the I wasn't at the game. Um, but just watching it, I mean, on the field, it's exactly what you wanted out of Lance Lynn, first of all, right? Right. You wanted him to come in. You wanted him to throw a lot of innings, save a beleaguered bullpen if they happen to be beleaguered in the moment, and dominate a team like the Royals that really deserve to be dominated at every turn because that's just who they are and what they're there for. But the other things, you know, that I liked, I liked the, the balance in the lineup. Um, you know, just everything went right as far as an opening day, an opening home game that you want to see from the standpoint of what are you looking for as a fan, what are they giving you to cheer for, and I was particularly appreciative of the fact that Lynn went nine, so we didn't have to worry about what Tony LaRusso was going to do to poor Matt Foster, who at this point I think needs counseling, and possibly a good stiff drink before he even warms up in the pound. Well, here's the thing. I First of all, it was emotional for me being in the ballpark. It had to be, right? It was, it was, it was emotional. It was, it was... After sitting inside, I mean, we all, everybody had different pandemics depending on where you lived. Like, right, yeah. it, some people on the north side of Chicago haven't left their houses yet, depending on where, where, what the lockdowns are like. I'm in Evergreen Park. It's been wide open for the last six months. Uh, so your pandemic mileage varied <laughs> yeah. differently from mine where I live. Right. Our, everybody's has been very different, but there was always this thing that it, it never felt normal. And even with the restrictions and everything else, uh, from the from the anthem, to, from seeing the field for the first time, to the anthem, to, uh, to just just to them taking the field, to and the the biggest moment to me was not only the Mancada home run. I'm standing next to my son. He hits the home run, two run bomb. You're excited when your main Mercedes hit that thing a country mile. And it sailed over us because we were over in left field. First, as it came off the bat, I almost killed my son. I picked him up and shook him <laughs> like a rag doll. He's, he's coming! He's a he's a 13-year-old hockey player, and I just 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 used him like just like a prop. I was like, oh my god, look at this ball! Like the thing was just flying at us. I was just so excited. And and so that was that was cool, but then as the celebrating was happening, everybody was cheering. I I honestly teared up. Like, I didn't cry. Like, it didn't run down my it's face. It's okay if you did. But it, I, I teared up. It's I honestly okay did. did. I got emotional. It was like we were back. Like, I was at the ballpark. Right. That was amazing. And, like, people were cheering. It was 8,000 fans or 9,000 fans, whatever's in there. And it sounded like 35,000 at that moment. 
like the stadium shook with 8,000 people. I never thought that was possible. I've been to plenty of games with 8,000 people. That was the loudest 8,000 people I ever heard in my entire life. Well, it was nice of Roger, Roger Bosser to put in the, uh, the earthquake thing in the, in the stadium, so it, it does actually shake with 8,000 people now. Well, they also have the, the weird thing that they were doing where they were pumping in some crowd noise. But I noticed later I, on in the game, even that. even when something good was happening, the crowd noise wasn't. It, it wasn't. They didn't increase it. Like that's the thing. So while there was like this steady, like just like static that was running so through the ballpark. So it was just ambient white noise in the right. background. Well, not really that. But I mean, it was like just like this. It was like what you hear in the background while we're while we're doing the, the show. Right. You know, it Which was just something like that. Which are concerned this could be fake too. Right. Exactly. This yeah. could be completely fake. We could be literally in our basement right now. All right, so we're Cork and Carry at the Park, 33rd and Princeton. We're going to bring in uh, Matt Sawaski here in just one moment here from Pinwheels and Ivy. But I do want to get to a couple of things that stuck out to me about the ball game. Because, first of all, I loved it. They won. They were awesome. Everything about it was wonderful for me. The product on the field, everything else like that. White Sox have a few things they need to work on. First off, they cut off the beer and inning early. For the first time ever, and they tried to use the rain delay as an excuse. I've been to plenty of rain delayed games. I think they ran out of beer. Because they were also closing food. They were closing food in the outfield in the seventh inning. They closed the beggar's pizza in the seventh inning. They were out of hot dogs behind, out in the direct part in the outfield. They were out of all food at the beginning of the seventh inning, underneath the fan deck on the concourse. And you're separated by section. You're only allowed to shop in your section. And they were not prepared for, like, obviously the outfield out ate the infield. I don't know what happened. They were out of food in the seventh inning. That's a problem. It's like going to a buffet. You don't follow the fat guy in the buffet line, so you don't follow me. You don't follow the fat guy in the buffet line. you got to look around your section. Maybe what they need to do in the ticketing is not only show you where the pods are, but show you the average weight of who's sitting in the pods around you. You know, so you got to put it in. But I, I guess the problem there is it's going to be like the airlines where, you know, the airlines are going to sit there and say, well, we're weighing your bags, we're weighing you to try and figure out how much fuel to put in. So if you're going to under- They should have been prepared. They didn't have enough, they didn't have a beer, they didn't have enough food. They weren't ready for it. They were, there was, they were, they let down their customer base, not with the product on the field, but with what was going on around the field. And that's something they definitely have to look at. My other complaint we're going to get to with our guest who's going to come in here. I'm going to wave to him over here. Matt Sawaski is going to join us from Pinwheels and Ivy Pod. This is when I would play music normally, but it's not working. So it's just straight two hours. Do you want me to sing? No, we're going to have to have points, though, where, like, you hum and I go get a beer because I'm thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to turn on his mic right now as he sits down. And this is his first time ever on the show. So he's going to have to, we're going to have to make sure that the headphones are working well for him as he leans in here. Matt Sawaski from Pinwheels and Ivy. How are you, Matt? I'm good, fellas. I'm glad you had uh, headphones that fit my big Polish head. They're so adjustable. Yeah, yeah, we spare no that. expense here at Saks of the Wait, wait, you're worried about the size of your head. Have you seen Chris's? <laughs> I appreciate that. No, no, it's, thanks for having me. This is awesome. There's a ton of people. Like, they opened this door at 11. It was like. There were uh, people waiting outside yeah, to get in here. It was awesome. It was kind of cool. We were t- Ed had the, uh, the unfortunate job. As I was setting up, of uh, opening the door and telling people they couldn't come in yet. Yeah, well, Matt was Matt was playing bouncer too. Yeah, Matt was playing bouncer too. So, so anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit about your impressions of the team so far. Before we get to that, I want your opinion on this. And I was just—I don't know if you heard it over there where you were sitting. I was talking about the good, and then there was a bad thing. They they ran out of beer, it seemed like, or they wouldn't serve it after the after the sixth inning in opening day, and they were closing down some of the food too. Like, in center field, they were shutting the food down. They didn't have hot dogs. They weren't prepared for, like, any kind of delay, which is kind of funny because we all knew it was going to rain for, like, a week, and they weren't ready for it. But the other thing I want to ask you about is what you guys both think about this. So the White Sox get rained out on Saturday, and Ed and I have talked about this in the offseason. 
They get rained out on Saturday, and with this new rule with the seven-inning doubleheaders, we asked, will the Sox, for the price of a ticket, now give you 14 innings of baseball, or will you get cheated out of two innings and they'll do the split doubleheader? And guess what they did? Split doubleheader on May 14th. Right. So before you guys jump into it, I thought this was for the safety of people, and instead we're going to have two crowds come in on the same day, and we're going to keep the ball players in the ballpark longer. And we're and so it's not about safety if you split doubleheader. It's about money. Am I right or wrong about that? It's completely about money. I, I mean, you understood in pre-COVID times when they would do that. That's just kind of how they were going to do it, and it was about money then. But it's going to be about ticket sales and stuff now again as well. I suppose the spin will be that they're going to say, look. We're already limiting people in the ballpark. This is going to give more folks an opportunity to catch a game. It's not going to screw people out of the game who had tickets yesterday. Uh, they might not be the same crowd as when we put together the doubleheader. But by and large, it's it's you can't call it a safety issue anymore than if you're going to do that. Uh, but, you know, the seven-inning thing is also not the White Sox doing. So they're, they're just going along with It's weird. What, what yeah, but it, it was strange to me. What did you think, Matt, when you heard about that? I, I'm with you guys. It's definitely all about the dollar, which... We've all been White Sox fans our whole lives, so none of us should be surprised about that. But you're making your staff vulnerable. Now your staff, instead of being exposed to 9,000 people, are exposed to 18,000 different people. There's a whole lot wrong with it. I understand it's the rule from MLB, but it just it doesn't make sense the way things are going now and everything so yeah it's it's all about the money as usual and what's weird is i saw the brooks boyer um like what we're going to be doing at the ballpark video that they put out and they and during it it showed that they had these spray guns where they're going to walk through the aisles and disinfect the seats so what you're going to tell me is during a split double header somehow they're going to spray down every seat in the ballpark with their spray guns in between? Like, this seems like an, a daunting task that seems impossible. Why not just give people for? You know what? How about this? Let me buy the extra five innings. I bet you it would be cheaper for me. Like, I feel like I'm more getting ripped off by the fact that I'm only getting seven innings and the beer closes at five. This is a real concern for me. I don't, this is the second time I brought up beer closing early. This is a real issue for me. Beer should always go to the seventh inning. And now I feel like they'll be like, beer closes uh, midway through the fourth or at the beginning of the fifth. And that... That's going to bother me as well. I mean, why would, like, the people that bought tickets for the Saturday game, they're going to be totally into, I'm going to my game. They bought it already. But when the, the marketplace opens for the other May 14th game, what will sales be like with people going, well, I could buy the other game and get nine innings for the same amount of money? And that's what I'm wondering. I wouldn't buy tickets for a seven-inning game. Right. In advance, you yeah. wouldn't do it, right? No, I would not. No. So, I, yeah, I just... I feel bad. I, I guess I don't feel bad, but it's a terrible thing where you bought a ticket for a nine-inning game for the nine-inning experience to go there, enjoy yourself, and okay, unlucky, it rained, but here's seven innings? That just You're getting ripped off, in my opinion. I just, yeah. It's a weird rule. And I, I have a solution, though. What's your solution? <laughs> Who is the lowest paid member of the White Sox bullpen? Make sure he gets in the game, gives up the lead, just ties it so that you get full nine innings in. <laughs> and then, you know, they can take it in the ninth. You know, just, just go ahead and act like, you know, regular nine-inning walk-off. That, that, I think, works out for everybody, right? So, so now, here's the thing. We, we, we give them a hard time about this, but what, what do we feel about the product on the field so far? I feel like people are overreacting just a little bit. Because we, we got, like last year, we pressed it. I'm sure you pressed it on Pinwheels and Ivy as well. The idea that in a 60-game season, the wins meant more 
Your lineup needs to be in there every day. You need to have your best guys on the field all the time. And we had to get ourselves in that mindset. Are people having a hard time adjusting now back to it's 162 games, the long season, calm down? Do you think that, Matt? 100%. We actually talked about that exact thing. It's exactly. You went from every pitch counts, every inning counts. It's 60 games. It's under a magnifying glass. We're back to 162. Yes, there's mistakes being made, but just relax. Yes, at the end of the year, they could be two games back from Minnesota. If we would have won, you know, two of those games in Anaheim that were right. there for the taking, but that's that's baseball. That's the normal 162. But yes, I totally agree with you. Everything is not under the magnifying glass like it was before. And we talked with the old the All Angels podcast right before opening day out in Los Angeles and they were they were basically saying hey look if it was a long season we were a playoff team we got off to a, sh- a slow start but then we were on fire at the back half we just couldn't catch up they were a good team they took it to the Astros right after they took it to us yeah in a 162 game schedule you also notice that hey maybe that team we played is, is a playoff team we just happened to get them in the first week and I don't think that I, I think that was the other thing to me you're on the road you're on the west coast they're not normally that good on the west coast they came away three and four in a normal 162-game season, you'd be like, all right, especially if that happened in June, you know, if it had been early, but you're expecting them to just jump out of the gate and kill everybody, and we're the best, and I just think we're going to see a very different season. We're going to see a, uh, a a team that's managed in a way where it's over 162, where every once in a while you're going to sit there and say, why did we do this? Well, we did this because this guy's getting tired, or i got to find out what else I have in my pen. I mean, the Matt Foster thing was a total just screw-up job by Tony La Russa the last game against Seattle, but on the other hand, he also kind of wants to see what Matt Foster's going to do out there. He waited a little too long, but I think that's what it was, and I don't think we saw that as much last season, and that's why people are getting upset. Well, you're also going to have a thing, too, where you're saying, okay, well, we could have grabbed two of those games in Anaheim at the beginning of the season, but you can't tell me over the course of 162 you're not going to have 10 more series where you're going to sit there and go, oh, we should have had that game, we should have had that game. You know, there's going to be a, there's a, going to be a Jose Paniagua game in there somewhere where Neil Cops should have started to go back way, way back. <laughs> go back to something that people are still sore about. But you're right, though, about the Angels, too, that when they get off to a hot start and they're pushing to get off to a hot start and the Sox are pushing off to get to a hot start, and you're, you're looking at the hype machine is really what you're looking at there, too. We came out of spring training expecting, you know, Dylan Cease is going to start today. We expected him to just basically start, sit there and go seven innings, walk nobody, you know, because he, he's turned it around. And instead, we got there from Carlos Rodon, which is very cool. Uh, but there's going to be some things. And I think Tony is trying to figure out the bullpen still. You know, I, I, I mean, Matt, what do you think? He, he doesn't have a feel for these guys. Yet. No, I, I don't. And... Again, with the start of the new year, some things that I like to remind people, because I'm sure we'll get to it, but I've been labeled as a magical truther. I've been, I've been put into that box. But Nick Magical hasn't played a full MLB season. Luis Robert hasn't played a full MLB season. Tony La Russa hasn't managed in 150 years. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of guys just still kind of getting their feet underneath them, getting going here with this stuff. And I think we're seeing some of that with the learning curve. And by no means am I starting the Magical Apology Tour, but I'm also saying that we're going to see some of these hiccups down the road. And to your point earlier, yes, in the 162-game season, there's going to be a four-game series versus, I don't know, Let's just call it like the Royals, where they right. play like absolute dog ass, and they still get the win. And those are so it does have a way of writing itself throughout the course of a season. But I just want to touch: the Angels are good. 
They're a really good team. The Angels are yeah. a very People good team. People acted like, well, this is a garbage team. We should roll over them in their no. own park. They're a good team. They're, they're way better than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> yes, that middle and of the lineup. And if Shohei Otani yes. becomes what she, he's supposed to be, they're an even better team. So people underestimating them in that first series, that was a mistake. Yes, the Angels are very good. That kid Walsh they have, that's a very good rookie right there. The middle of their lineup is sick. I think they're like maybe one, two pitchers away from being like a team where you're like, okay. But they still have, they got this guy on their team. Yeah, I think it's Mike Bass or Mike Fish or Mike something. <laughs> He's pretty good at baseball. Sam, it's, yeah, it's Sam. Tim Sam. Oh, it's his cousin. What's with that team and guys named after fish? It's just such a weird no thing. California. Oh. <laughs> We're sitting at uh, the Cork and Carry at the park. Come on out and join us. We're having an awful lot of fun here. We're going to be here until game time. It's a 110 start. We're going to go through the lineup here in a moment. Sacks in the basement. We're at 33rd in Princeton. Show up, have a beer. They got great food here. They have the uh, gourmet hamburgers. They've got they, they've got an incredible group of burgers that they put together. they got one of them they put por- pulled pork on top of, which is just, it's a feast. It's fantastic. And, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you something. The best thing I did on opening day was I came over here with my son, and I ate. Because when I got into the ballpark, I didn't know what was going to be available to me with the, everything spread out the way that it is. Because you, you end up in one section, and it's whatever is in that section. That's what you get. You're, you're in the, the food that's available in that section, the beer that's available in that section. That's it. Like, I couldn't get over to the craft cave and have craft beer. Like, I, all I had was Modelo's. That was all I could get to in my section. So, if you, if you have a taste for something before the game... Come on out here to Cork and Carry at the park. we got the free socks in the basement trucker hat for everybody that shows up while supplies last. And as you can see by the giant box in front of me, there are supplies. So we have plenty of them to give away. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's going to help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. I I will tell you something, and it it resonated with me on opening day, and it also resonated with me coming out of this pandemic, that, first of all, I've got two teenagers. I got a a 15-year-old girl and a 13-year-old son, and then I've got a little five-year-old that never stops moving and thinks he's 40, okay? But the, the two older kids, this whole thing over the last year has just affected them in such a way. And they've done pretty good with it, and we've had to do a lot of things where, like, you know what, I'm not, like, we've made personal decisions at times. Like, they got to be around their friends. Like, they got to do this. We were fortunate because we live in Evergreen Park. The schools were open. I know it hasn't been that way for everybody else, but my kids were in school since the beginning of September. That was a big difference. And even with that, like, the lack of sports or the lack of things they're doing, that still affected them. The fact that they couldn't have, like, their normal dances or they couldn't have, like, their, their events or it's like we're doing uh, my, my daughter's softball team. My daughter went out for the Mother McCauley softball team. They, they, she was going to make it. Unfortunately, because of the restrictions that are out, they shortened the benches and have no freshman team. 
so here's a girl that was basically told, like, you'd have made it. But we just, I mean, those are the things that affect, because to her, she's like, wait a minute. I did everything right because of this because of this thing I can't play. And I think people listening need to understand that's a very very hard team to make. Right, that's a tough one. Macaulay softball team. She can play. Is a very she's, hard. She's team got to a, she's got the eleven and under state championship ring in her room. She was on a she was on a state championship team. So she took a, she batted fifth in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Better player than her father ever was, that's for sure. <laughs> but here's a kid with a lot of talent. Yeah. Who's going to miss a season now? That's and it's brutal. not and it's not because of talent. It's because of lack of room right. because they can only have so many people on the bench because they can only have and it's a hard team they even considered putting her on with the older kids but it was like we'd have to kick a kid off that would have made the team and it, it, these choices these coaches have to make what these te- kids have to go through but my point is with baseball my dad always said that he learned more about what was going on in my life as a teenager at a ball game than he ever learned anywhere else that he could get me out there and we would sit in left field and we were like second row. Our seats aren't even there anymore because when they built the bullpen bar, they, they, those were taken away. But we were in the second row out there and in the early 90s when I was a teenager. And he's like, all I had to do is, you know, buy you a couple of Cokes, you know, get you a couple of hot dogs, fifth inning, get you the nachos. And you, were, you would just sit there and tell me everything that was going on with it. And so I bring my son out to opening day. And this kid has gone into like a shell. And I got him out there, and I, he just nonstop motor mouth. Like, the world was normal all of a sudden, you know? And he just boom ba boom ba boom and this is what's going on with his friends, and this is what's bothering him, and this is what's this. And then, like, you know, like, the excitement of the Mercedes home run, he's, like, he's like hugging me. And, like, I mean, like, like it, it, was, it was, that's the thing that's missing. And I was, like, that was, I mean, I talked about it earlier on in the live broadcast. I got emotional. Part of it was being in the ballpark. Part of it was the fact the kid was normal again. It was, like, three hours of normalcy. And that's why it's important that people are back inside the ballpark, I think. I love every aspect of that story. That, that's it, it, awesome. It's, it's fantastic. That's exactly. That is exactly what, what we're looking at. Like you said, it's an oasis. It's away from everything that's going on in the outside world. And on a macro level, you're worried about all the, all the pandemic and all the other stuff that happens in the universe. But it's the micro level stuff that people, I think, are really going to be appreciative of. And that's the thing that's, that's going to last for this season, probably even as much as whatever happens on the field. Is It's going to be that, that feeling of some of my favorite games were going in 2021 because it was such a huge relief and a release from everything that had happened the year before. And you had someone catch a ball and give it to you and your son. You saw that on Twitter, yeah. yeah. So then there's these guys that are up there, and they're, you know, they're yelling to Luis Robert every time, and he's throwing the ball. But they, they, they were dishing them out to the kids. They got their first one, and I don't blame them. They were like, Louis Roberts threw me a ball. And then, then it was like I could hear them up there, and they were like, we're getting this kid next. Like, I knew that if they got another one, they were giving it to him. And I kept telling him to walk down there, yeah. you know. But he's like, you know, he's like, uh, 13. He's 13 for crying out loud. He's 13. All right. So they get the ball right away. They're like, you want it? And they toss him the ball. And he, like, lights up, and he's, like, all excited. He's got the ball, and then he just doesn't let the thing go for the rest of the day, and I think he went to sleep with it. Like, I mean, like, he, but that was the thing. Well, like, that's what you do when you're a kid. You get a ball right. in the game. Yeah, and it, but, it, but that was the thing. Like, it got him. It was, that was the normalcy about it. It was a conversation with people. It was, like, during a big play, the guy across the aisle hits high fives with him. Like, he started to feel normal again, you know? And that, so that was, and, and the fact that he was finally out with his dad and he's away from the rest of the family and he, you know, I think a ball game is like the best place to talk with my kids. I thought my dad was full of crap when he told me that story, but he explains that the reason he bought season tickets 
when he did, because he was just a police officer. You know, I mean, the, 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 you don't get rich doing that. All right, he's a, a Chicago cop. But he bought a partial season plan because he felt like he'd get to talk to my sister and talk to me. You know, he, he would, he would, we would talk to him. He only bought two seats. He wasn't bringing all four. Then it's the family, and everybody's like, you know, still acting like the family unit, right? Get, get a kid alone, and that was what he wanted to do. And then it, and he's like, I knew everything you were doing. Stuff you wouldn't tell him. You sat there, you're, you couldn't wait to give it up. You'd sit there with your scorecard, you fill everything out, you tell me everything. And I got to see that on opening day. And that was a big break for me after a year of this stuff. That was great. Have we, have we ruled out the idea that your dad was putting something in those trunks and in those nachos and stuff just to get your mouth moving, a little truth serum or something? I don't remember any booze in there. No, when I, I got older, there was booze. Like sodium pentothal or whatever they use. You know. <laughs> He's a cop. He knows how to the next, the next best thing is when you get older and then you get to drink with dad at the ballpark. Oh, that's yeah. the best. Oh, yeah. And then he kills you. But see, that's, that's the thing, though. It's, it's much more than just a game. Right. There's Baseball is so much more than just a game and I guess to bring everything full circle it's so important for people to be back in the stands you got Luis Roberts never played in front of his home fans before Nick Madrigal's never played in front of his home fans I kept before. thinking about how that had to feel for them that's wild how did it feel I mean and for Abreu to get the trophy the MVP yep and the crowd chanting MVP like that like he didn't get to celebrate that and he got to celebrate that with his, with his fan base and they were pumped like that place, I, 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 could, I had no voice on the, for him. Wait, what'd you say? I said, do you think Jose was pretending they were chanting for him in Anaheim? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah sure, it was for Fishboy or whatever his name is, but uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's got to be great for these guys, right? Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I felt like like Friday I didn't have a voice. And part of it was the rain, part of it was the fact that I felt like I needed to, I needed to make up for the empty seats around me. Because I wanted to be loud for them, you know? I wanted them to know that we're with them. Because I also worry with this team when they're cut off with their fan base. I mean, we've seen the organization get aggravated sometimes with White Sox Twitter and White Sox podcasts and everything like that. Like, that, that also could be rolling into the clubhouse. Like, our own fans are mean to us. Yeah. We're not. No. We're with you. 100%. We love you. I've said a million times on this show, I'm a White Sox fan. I might not be a, a front office fan all the time, but I'm a White Sox fan. You know, and that's who I root for. I don't, don't root for the front office, even though they've been in there for like 20, 30, 40 years, depending on which person you look at in there. I root for the White Sox. That's yeah. who I'm there for. We're, we're like your parents. We love you unconditionally. It's just sometimes we're disappointed. <laughs> right. We're not mad. We're not mad. Except for we're Nick Swisher. Swisher. I never loved him. No. Never, oh, lo- I never loved Nick Swisher. No. He was no. adopted. No. no. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Swisher. <laughs> <laughs> Even the thing with Toby Hall's pants. He was like so. the he was like the he was like the kid that got switched at birth in the delivery room. And you look at him, you're like, you don't look like me. Something's wrong here. But I mean, and you even saw we talked about it earlier when Yerman hit his bomb. The crowd went nuts. He's looking at the crowd, pointing, smiling. Like, oh, they needed that. These guys need to know. Like again, Luis Robert. I know there's people out. Nick Madrigal is the weirdest baseball player in the world because people either love him or hate him. But like, they, I don't know why people hate him. I, I, I've been trying to figure this out for over a year. I have nothing. He's a rookie. He makes dumb mistakes. Aaron Rowan made a terrible base running error in the World Series, and people loved him. He almost cost them the entire game at one point. In the World Series. In the World Series. In the World Series. And it was, it was brutal. He, he, used to make the, he used to make madrigal errors. Before they were madrigal base running mistakes, they were Rowan base running mistakes. All right? I mean, like, he's a human being. He's not, he's not a, something on a computer screen. I don't know why you hate him. I feel like people are mad because, like, when Madrigal was picked, a lot of times I get, well, he was drafted fourth overall. Not his fault. And then also people, he keeps winning 
best defensive prospect, best baseball IQ guy, and people are getting fed all this stuff, so they believe it themselves, and then he contradicts it, and then people get mad at themselves for believing that. That's, what's, that's yeah. the only thing that's aggravated me with him. Right, right. And I was, I was told he was he had a great baseball IQ, and you know, and he was like a defensive magician. And I've seen these things down there, and then I see these these silly mistakes. Right. But I think he'll clean those up. If Tim Anderson He's can figure out how to be a, an above average shortstop, yes. Then then Nick Madrigal can figure it out. Madrigal's trying too hard too. He's he's aware of the hype. He's aware of what he's supposed to be to Sox fans. He's aware of what he's supposed to be to the front office, to the, the coaching staff. And he's trying to do everything, and he's trying to do more than everything. And that's when guys make mistakes. I don't care what your IQ is. In his mind, I guarantee you, with some of these mistakes, he's sitting there going, this was stupid. I shouldn't have done this, but I'm already halfway there, so I guess we're rolling with it. You know, I shouldn't have run, but eh. But Matt was nice enough to, uh, to to hang out with us. So tell us real quick about the Pinwheels and Ivy Pod. Uh, if anybody wants to check it out, you said it's uh, it's live on Thursdays. It's uh, so you're the only Sox fan, yes. and then you got two Cub fans. And we talk a majority of White Sox, which I don't know how that math works out, but it does. Because they're the best. They get angry. and they got more going on. Yeah, and I mean basically the way the show goes is we talk about what's what's hot, what's interesting, and nine out of ten times right now it's White Sox related. I mean. We can only talk about how the Cubs have a lower team batting average than National League pitchers, you know, for so long. But we talk about a lot about Sox. Um, Thursday night live, you can find us YouTube, Facebook, tw- anything that streams live. Anything that's – if you do use this Twitch thing? Yeah, uh, stream Twitch. Or, uh, how does that work? StreamYard. StreamYard. See – we don't do Twitch, we do streaming. Okay, because there's so many things now. Yes. Like, I mean, I sit there and I read about something new every day, and I'm like, should we be on this? Right. We should use, we be on this? I'm like, I don't know. We use StreamYard so far so good because yeah. it's easy to do multiple platforms at once. Uh, we're very interactive. That's why when we stopped for that little break, I had a couple guys like Alex over here at the bar. We, I've never met him before. Right. But he's in our chat every week, and we've actually dubbed him our unofficial fact checker. Yeah. Because Alex is great being like, no, Zoe, you're wrong. He actually hit this. <laughs> And I, and I appreciate it. It's awesome. It's, I, I, Alex is my guy over there. I, I love loved, that guy. What I loved about this whole thing was that we were like, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And we got up, and it was like there was no way we were getting to the other side of the bar. No. Like, everybody was just waiting, which is awesome. I want to say first off, thank you every single person that came out today. Absolutely. Because it was so nice to have everybody here. This guy's clapping. His sons are like, Dad, knock it off. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I mean, that, that was awesome that everybody showed up for this today, and they, they came out to hang out. There's a still a really good crowd here, which is funny because the game's going to kick off soon, right? Yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Ten minutes to one or something like yeah, that. Is that my correct? Right? Yeah. yeah. We will put out an on-demand version of this later on in the day today. My name is Chris. His name is Ed Matsuwaski from Pinwheels and Ivy. Thank you very much for listening to us. Socks in the Basement found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.